Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. The live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines and Alex Barth here as always to break down the Patriots' second preseason game against the Green Bay Packers, which was Saturday night that the Patriots kind of won 21-17. It was... Unfortunately, cut short due to a a scary situation with Isaiah Bolden. Rightfully cut short, it it was the right move to call that game. But um, it it looks like he's doing better. We've had some positive updates from him. Released from the hospital, traveled back with the team to to Foxborough here. So we're here to break down down the football from that point. And we saw some Mac Jones for a few drives. I think it was 18 18 snaps, like three drives. Three drives, Uh, yeah. Got a good look at Bill O'Brien's offense as he continues to unfold some things. So pl- plenty of football stuff to take away from that second preseason game uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. I think that this was probably the most between the joint practices and then this game, this was the most valuable reps. I think when the roster is all said and done, look, there's a lot, I think, that's still to come this week. But I think we're going to look back at, at, at this past week and kind of that was when the roster was built. Yep. I agree with that. And I guess we'll just start with Matt because that was kind of the big, big news. His first preseason action. I think he was six of nine, 52 yards. So didn't really, you know, blow the box score away there. But I, I thought he was good. I thought he looked comfortable in the pocket. Like the big thing was under pressure. He had a few throws that he made under pressure. We all know that was one of his weakest parts of his game last year, statistically, a bottom two or three passer in all of football under pressure. So. Looked good. He had a few, you know, one a dig downfield to Kendrick Bourne with the guy right in his face. He had yep. that long ball to Devontae Parker where he stepped up in the pocket to buy some extra time there. So I thought that was a positive sign for Max seeing him seeing him work under pressure and looking poised, poised back there. Yeah, the big question, if you remember all the way back to when training camp started and we did that show, it was like one question for each position. My question for the quarterbacks was, can Mac reset his internal clock? Because he was flustered last year. The pressure got to him. He was sped up, and he was never able to reset. He got back to the point, I thought, where he was reset nicely on Saturday night. You mentioned the the place to Kendrick Bourne. I thought his pocket manipulation was really well done. He had uh, – it it sucks because I thought the best examples of of that was on the throw to Devontae Parker, which he missed. You, I think it was, was it you texted me during the game and said his arm looks like he had a little more zip on the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, his two misses are overthrows, and obviously he's got to clean that up. I don't know. On Hunter Henry, it looked on TV copy like it was an overthrow. Rewatching it, I think there may have been uh, a miscommunication on the route 
Yeah. Because the way like they came together and talked ever, I think just the angle of the TV made it look weird. So, you know, he got to clean those up, but overall for his first game action of the year, coming from where he left off last year, I thought he was good. Again, he was poising the pocket. The pocket movement was great. You saw some timing stuff, uh, with, especially with Kendrick Bourne. I think the two of them are picking up right where they left off in, in 2021. A lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff to like for Mac Jones, certainly in that game. Yep. Kendrick Bourne was awesome that game too. And you meant that play to Parker. I think that's why we've talked about it. They need to get this the three interior linemen set, right? Strange, yeah. Andrews, and Onwenu, because you might have the tackles that are iffy and we'll get to that but you need that pocket for mac to step up in and then you know that's where you need guys like mike on and cole strange back in there next to david andrews but i do want to get back to, to that kendrick Bourne throw the yep. first one not the second one on the dig and that was maybe a little bit of an overthrow by mac Bourne made a nice play to go up and get the ball uh, the the slant though the rpo like the an rpo to kendrick Bourne. i'm i'm sitting there like beautiful what did i just watch like every single thing i was yelling about last year rpos quick hitters kendrick Bourne, boom like it, it was all right there it really is a, a a new offense and to see stuff like that and then like i can't stress this enough and i think we talked about this before the game brian it, it they were running the base they're running essentially an outline version of their offense. They weren't getting into the nitty gritty of what their offense will be. It was the, the basic Madden playbook version. And it was still more complex than what the offense was ever last year. We saw <laughs> RPOs. We saw them stretching the field from the slot, from the seam. Um, you, you saw some more complex route combinations. The the combo they ran on the goal line to draw that, that I forget, was it a DPI or a hold? Whatever that was yeah, on Devontae DPI. Parker. Like that was set up by a route combination. You didn't have five guys running five separate routes. You had these two guys are going to run their routes, and in the one is going to impact the coverage on the other. Uh, there was another one on the on the completion to Demario Douglas. Hunter Henry, the way he releases, it manipulates the way the Packers are covering Douglas. Douglas gets a clean release, and he's wide open up the seam. And that's the kind of thing. Like I almost we shouldn't be applauding it this much. Cause it is kind of basic, but you almost sort are. of, you almost sort of have to, because I want to highlight the fact that this, it makes it that much easier to <clears throat> last year. How many times was it where I'm sitting here with Mike Cadlick or I was on the sports hub and I'm like, look, like I can't, it would take me two hours to explain to you why this is a mess. And like, it, I hated, I kept having to give that line that I hated giving saying, unless you watch the game, like we do, you're not going to understand why this isn't on Mac Jones why this is the coaching staff's fault. And now there's examples that I can point to and say that, that thing that happened right there, they weren't doing last year. And that was the whole first three drives for me. It was just, it was like seeing old friends. Oh, an RPO. It's been so long. Beautiful. Oh, a two-man route combination. It, you know, it's, look at you. You look great. You know, you must've been up to a lot in the last two years. I haven't seen you. It, it, it felt great. And, and they're going to have to execute that stuff. And again, there were some times where the execution, Mac missed a couple throws. We'll get to the blocking, but as a seven on seven team, they looked amazing. <laughs> you know, we'll get to the yeah. offense and there is some other execution stuff they have to clean up. The seven yeah. on seven element looked great. You texted me, right? Like, is this what an offense was? Like we're remembering, we're seeing a, an offense again, but yeah, that's what we kind of expected with Bill O'Brien, right? He comes in here and he makes things difficult for a defense. You've heard from, right. you know, New England's defensive backs throughout camp, just like he's given us different looks. It's, it's tough, right? They're sequencing things together, and 
I mean, you mentioned the RPOs. The deep pass to Parker was an under center play action, which how many times were we clamoring for that last year, right? And then uh, we talked about that, the ball to Hunter Henry. Like that was one of O'Brien's staples. You can go watch him on YouTube, break that down. It's a Haas X uh, follow. And then they ran the Haas juke later on the, on the strip sack. So go go watch those breakdowns if you have it on YouTube. Just search Bill O'Brien and those plays. They're, they're excellent, but... Yeah, it's what we wanted to see from O'Brien. The RPOs, they ran 19 pass plays on RPOs last year, and I think one or two were slants, right? And the fact yeah, that... It was all bubbles. They were doing I, all bubble screens off the RPOs last year, off the few RPOs they ran. I know Jones's, Jones's average air yards per pass on RPOs. Do you know what it was? Do you remember? It was like negative, right? Negative 1.3 yards. So yeah, so... The fact that... Third play of the game, second preseason, they're throwing an RPO slant, which Mac was awesome at Alabama. And he talked to Sports Illustrated today, or, you know, recently the article came out today saying he wanted to get back to Alabama Mac. So it's looking like they're doing that thanks to Bill O'Brien, and it's a positive step in the right direction here. Yeah, I uh, I, I would say that. It's, it seemed like it, I've used this term for two years now, the Alabamification. Yep. of the Patriots offense. And it seems like we're finally getting that. Yep. Uh, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Zappy? He got some good run, most of the run. I thought it was just kind of the Bailey Zappy, like good in the quick game, right? He had a lot of slants. It seemed that he was some good pocket movements, some, but some questionable, questionable decisions when, when he was going downfield there. Yeah. High highs and low lows for me, yep. which is kind of what we've seen throughout camp. I thought first off the read to tuck and run for the touchdown was really good. Yep put good zip on the ball to Kayshawn Booty on the touchdown, and we'll get to Kayshawn Booty in a little bit. But some more batted balls, some more instances where he was holding the ball. He missed some throws, uh, sailed some throws as well. So, it, it's, again, that's been his camp. Like, there's flashes where he looks really good, and then there's moments where, yeah, no, he's still got kind of a ways to go, and he's got a, um, you know, uh, I, I think he, he, what's the word I'm looking for? I think he overextends himself sometimes. I think he tries to do too much at times. When he plays within himself, I mean, he did it on that touchdown drive. Like, they got right up the field, and he's playing his game. But I think there's also times where he tries to be, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers type and kind of extend plays and run around and do the arm angle stuff. And it's just not his bag. And maybe he gets there. Like, like this, the preseason is the time to work on it. And Bill said that. But, like, that's not his bag right now. So... I, when he when he plays to his skill set, he's he's still good. Like I've I've always said this, he's somewhere between the thirtieth and thirty fifth best quarterback in the league. That's where I believe he's at, and I think that's what you saw a guy that fits that description uh, Saturday night. Like he'll make some plays for you, but there are times where he needs to reel it in. Yep, uh, I'd agree with that. And like that deep ball to Trey Nixon, like in triple coverage, there's no reason to throw that. And I don't think we've got an update on Nixon at all yet. So looked like shoulder or, or neck, something in there. Maybe, yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll back here for practice tomorrow, so we'll see if he's out there. But um, do you want to do get into the pass catchers or go O-line o- here? Let's do the offensive line. Let's do offensive a compliment line. sandwich thing. All right. So it wasn't great. Again, uh, they were back with the Mafia at, at left guard, Riley Reef at right guard, and City So at, at right tackle. Uh, he gave up, so gave up a, an early sack, third down, kind of got bull rush right back. And then, you know, Andrew Stuber came in at, at left tackle and he gave up the strip sack. So still a lot of pressure, which kind of Bill Bill alluded to that this morning, right? When they yeah. said someone asked Seemed him like how, it. how Mac played and he's like, 
Mac was good, but there was a lot of stuff around him that maybe wasn't good. So that he'd have to get used to, or that he's not used to, right. With three new starters up on the offensive line. So was, wasn't great. Wasn't great against Saturday night. No, it was ugly. And it, it's kind of a, a glass half full glass, half empty thing with the offensive line, you know, cause you complain about it. And I got a lot of this on Twitter. I, I think my big takeaway from the game was the good news is besides the offensive line, I thought the Patriots offense looked really good. The bad news is you need tackles in the NFL. You got to line somebody up a tackle and people, Oh, we'll get the starters back. And you know, so it's glass half full glass half empty on one hand. It's not, it shouldn't be the group. It was Saturday night, the four of five left to right, Trent Brown, Cole strange, David Andrews, Mike Owen, and then we'll see what happens at right tackler, right guard, depending on what happens with them. When like that, in theory, should be a good enough group. They're not going to be amazing, but they won't be bad. I At the same time, all right, well, how often are you going to have that? Because yep. we're now getting into that period. There's a week to go in camp. We're now getting into that window where it's, is Michael and Wendell going to be back? Is he going to have to miss the first six weeks of the season? When's Cole Strange coming back? They still really don't have an answer at right tackle. Uh, Riley Reese been moved inside. And I'll get to that in a second, but Connor McDermott look, uh, not Connor McDermott. He didn't play. They seem totally out on Connor McDermott, which I don't get. I thought he was serviceable. Well, he, was, so, he was hurt. Wasn't he? Or he missed that last joint practice. Something like that. Yeah. He so, might be hurt. But, I, I don't um, know. I forget if he even, I don't think he dressed, but I can pull that up dress. quick while, while you, um, yeah. city. So gets driven back, uh, by Kingley at Barre with one hand, like one hand just never got his feet under him. Uh, same thing happened to Andrew Stuber. He didn't look good. So is it Michael and Wenwood right tackle Riley Reef right guard? Because the, the sneaky nice thing in this is Riley Reef actually looks decent as a guard. That's not why they signed him. They're probably paying him too much to be a guard, and I don't know how long that's going to last. <clears> but uh, it, it, if that's the best option, that's the best option, right? We're, you're kind of at that point. You got to work with what you have. You also, you know, Trent Brown. Is Trent Brown going to play 17 games? It's great if he does, because he's still, you know, after the fall start, I thought he figured it out. But is he going to play 17 games? Because after him, it looks like Andrew Stuber is the backup left tackle. And that We saw how that went. That didn't look good. Mike Conwenu, Cole Strange already banged up. Are they going to miss time? It's, so that's the glass half empty of it. The glass half full is the starters will be back. Yes, eventually. When? How reliable will they be? Because the depth is scary. After that starting, really starting four, because there's that TBD on the right side, it falls off dramatically. And if Riley Reef is going to be this guy at right guard, you have to play Mike Unwin with right tackle when he comes back. You have to do it because it's it's the best five. And uh, um, Dante Skarnecki always talked about that. That's your best five. You got to do it. After that, I don't know. You start really getting into the danger zone. Yeah, because I will tell you that football Thank season is about to kick off and FanDuel's giving you a chance to win all season long, because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That's a good deal. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in MA. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. 
Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I think they're best seeing Reef at right guard. They're probably best going forward with him there. And when you at, at right tackle, do they do that? I I, I don't think they do just because they've been so reluctant to move on one new out there but that that seems like where that best unit w- w- would come from and someone i think they're like, at the point i get look i get why they didn't want to move michael one last year i understand yeah, it seems that. like they have to now though yeah this is his development's no longer an issue he's in the last year of his contract you're in a must win season there's no oh well, we don't want him to develop a guard he's in his fourth year he's developed he's probably not going to be here next year anyway you just drafted all of these guards Either, either you pay him at right tackle or you let him walk. His development shouldn't be a part of the conversation. Yep. And someone brought this was interesting too. Like that Stuber just moved over all of a sudden to left. I don't know if that was just to get the look because he's been at right. He was at right in college and then he was repping at, at right throughout camp there. So interesting switch there. We saw Bill Murray get reps at right tackle for the first time. Uh, someone asked about Calvin Anderson. Mike Reese had a report that they're hoping he might get back on the practice field sooner here. So maybe he factors into the it's another guy here. that could factor in. Yeah. But I don't, do you think it's like, we have to see Mike and Winder this week, or we're not going to see him week one or where are you, where are you kind of at on that? Because Bill usually is like, you know, you need more than just running on the conditioning field to be ready, but they might not have a choice. They might have to just trust on when going to be ready week one, if he's medically cleared that but at the same time they've done weird things where they'll like activate a player right before the season off pup and then he won't play the first few weeks anyway yeah so i i i go back and forth on that i don't know i it's so situation specific i i think it would be really encouraging to see him this week i think you need to see him this week to feel good about it yeah right because if, if, if it's sight unseen and let let's say so practices close to the media there might be one or two open practices after that Titans game. Depends how they do the schedule this year, but like it's not going to be a lot. So if we don't see him by then, you're talking about three practices with Mike and when, and then he's in there. And if he's playing tackle, I like Riley reefs repping at guard. So maybe that's fine. But if he's going to play guard, then is it reef back out to tackle where he hasn't been practicing? Is it city? So who just hasn't looked good. I, I trust Mike and when will come back week one and be ready. Let me put it that way. Like whenever he comes back, if he's, if they have active week one, I trust him to be ready week one. It's the movement of the line around him that I think may need some more time to get caught up. That being said, I still think you just activate him and go for it. Cause I'd rather have Michael and Wendu with less continuity, right. than no Michael with more <laughs> continuity with a bad offensive line. But that that's more my worry. It's not about him personally. It's about how the guys around him are going to kind of plug into their roles. Yep. Just it had to be Philly week one, right? It had to be that. Right. It has to be like the, a, a record setting pass rush week one. <laughs> uh, I, I guess one Rolling of the, into the deep end. The positives I've seen on the offensive line is Chasen Hines, and not just because his last name, but I, I thought he's had two good games here on the line. He's, you know, that big, powerful guy they like, but he's kind of athletic. He's had a few nice pulls in the run game the other night. So. I don't know. They have a ton of depth there, so I don't know if he could crack the roster. But he he's had a, a few nice, few nice preseason games here. So maybe 
if, if Strange and Wenu are still out this week, I'd like to see him in kind of an elevated role there. It's just t- they they really handcuffed themselves with, with the, the draft picks. where they drafted because yeah. you have five guys that you can't give up on that draft pick, and none of them are hurt. Like we're not. I don't think we're going to see any of them Foxborough flute at this point. So you have the the starting four of Brown, Strange, Andrews, and Wenu. They're all going to make the team. You're going to Riley Reeves going to make the team. That's five. Those three draft picks are eight. So then it, you need another tackle. So that's Connor McDermott or Calvin Anderson, probably. So yeah. now you're at nine offensive linemen. Where's Chase and Hines fitting? Where's yeah, Cody Rossi fitting if he's going to make the team? And Hines has been the guy. Where's Andrew Stuber fitting? But like, it's Hines. If it's a non-rookie, non-starter, it's Chase and Hines. But that's 10 offensive linemen unless they get creative. So they kind of box themselves in with that one. I wrote this. Uh, this I was right. I'm writing it today. It'll be up tomorrow morning. I do this every year. I call them at-large roster spots. I don't think you've been exposed to this yet, Brian. Every host has to hear me give this spiel. Every host has to speak. The way building an NFL roster works is it's not the best 53 players to make the team. Because how often is the backup quarterback one of the 53 best players on the roster? Rarely. But, like, he's making the team. Or, like, if you draft a project player, sixth or seventh round, you got to keep that guy to develop him. But is he one of the best 53 players at the moment? Probably not. You then get into the thing of 53. It's not the 53 best players because you have to have two quarterbacks. You have to have three running backs. You have to have four wide receivers. You have to have two tight ends, like positional minimums, right? When you account for all the positional minimums, that leaves 13 spots that can be won by the best player available. But then you also have guys that are roster locks. So for instance, the Patriots this year, on average, teams keep a minimum of five linebackers. You rarely see teams go below five linebackers. Patriots have six linebackers that are probably locks. So there goes one of those spots. Matthew Slater also takes away one of those spots. So the the math I have on this team right now, and it changes a little bit every year. Last year, there were like none of these spots. I had six. This year, depending on what happens with Michael and Wenu, it's eight or nine spots. Four, and then, and then you have, all right, how many players are competing for those spots because Mac Jones isn't competing for one of those spots. He's a roster lock. Christian Gonzalez is competing for one of those spots. He's a roster lock. Um, you know, some of the guys at the bottom of the roster, Trace McSorley, not competing for one of those spots. He's not going to make the team. The guys who are competing for those spots, this is essentially what the roster bubble is qualified. I have 24 or uh, yeah, 24 players, not including the guys on PUP or IR or Ty Montgomery or Isaiah Bolden. So you can call it anywhere from 24 to 29 players competing for eight or nine spots. That's what the bubble is. And this is where they've handcuffed themselves with the offensive line. They have so many offensive linemen they need to keep that you're pushing a guy like Jason Hines under the bubble yep. of that group of, of, you know, 23 to 29 players or 27, whatever the math is, is Jason Hines going to be one of the best eight or nine. And in my math, that group includes Malik Cunningham. That group includes Kayshawn booty. That group includes, uh, um, Miles Bryant, that group includes Daniel Aquale. So the math kind of starts to go against them and it gets tough. So anyway, that's the, that's the at-large roster spot spiel, but the offensive line is a big part of that picture this year. Yep. Absolutely. I think like if you want to sneak him on, it's probably going to have to be on when new starts on pop or Calvin Anderson starts on NFI or both of that. And then you, you'd have a, a spot there, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that, whole thing kind of, kind of shakes out. I think you did a roster projection today, right? Did you have eight yes. or nine? 
What'd you have on the O line there? I had I had nine. I had, nine. I had the nine I listed earlier. Yep. With like the three the, and McDermott as the last guy. Yeah. Yep. But I, I had McDermott is so I do at the end I do like the the last three on last three off. Yep. I had McDermott as one of my my last three guys on. I was very tempted to cut him. Yeah. Yeah. He's falling off. It hasn't looked great. We'll see. But if they he's need healthy. They need. But I know they, they need, need a third tackle, tackle, and I don't think either City So is the starting right tackle. But like if he's not, he's not good enough to be the third tackle. And yeah. maybe it's it's rather reef, but he's a guard now. So I'd like to think Anderson can be better than McDermott. But it, it like McDermott almost call him a placeholder for that spot. He makes the team right now based off what it looks like. But if Anderson gets healthy, he just swaps into that spot. But at the same time, is this, you know, we start talking, we can start talking about remember you see your Durant? This was yeah. a couple years ago. They had like no tackles. And they they signed like three tackles off waivers, and you see a Durant stuck the entire year. Like yeah. I don't know who's going to become available, but you start talking about is there just a TBD tackle that's going to come into the mix and what be about, the third tackle? What about Jason Peters? You know, Jason Peters? No, Jason Peters like forty years old. <laughs> or uh, who is the other one? Uh, Pew, Justin Pew. He's like he just had like an ACL or something, but he's yeah. Healthy, no, he no. Get get me somebody who can like actually hold up. <laughs> I actually I'm gonna look at something real quick. Um, Nothing ever happened with Fluker, right? TJ Fluker? No, which tells me he's not ready. Um, So I just pulled up one of the offensive line. uh, Sorry. One of the roster projections from Las Vegas. And it does not have Justin Haran on there. And this is like one of their main writers. Familiar name. If Justin Haran gets waived, absolutely bring him back. Yeah. don't, Don't even hesitate. Let me see. What would, about the the one on he, the athletic? He'd be an upgrade over McDermott and, and City So probably at this point. But okay, so the athletic has him on. I think he's so kind he's, of a fringe guy. I would even trade the seventh round pick back to get him if we're give it on. back. <laughs> SB Might Nation well. has him on. I'm gonna have to do a thing where I just go through all the Raiders roster projections <laughs> and see how many have Justin. Although some have Jermaine Illuminor off, so maybe that's the call you make. I thought he was decent last year. Didn't he start for them? I thought he did. Maybe it's the two of them competing for a job. I could be wrong. There were like two. It was Cam Fleming and Denver who had like a sneaky good year out of nowhere. And then I thought it was Illuminor and Vegas who. You might be right. Yeah, but so maybe that, he's hang- maybe that was just one bad roster projection. But that'd be a, that'd be a name to watch though. I would watch the guys in Vegas. Yep. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. As it's been the storyline all summer here, it'll continue to be uh the next the next few weeks here so let's get to those pass catchers because you know awesome day for kendrick Bourne as we talked about Keishon booty had a big day so where are you at with the receivers are you keeping all six right now and what'd you see from those guys saturday night i'm keeping all six i don't see how they don't i i will get to the the other part of that in a little bit i want to save my i told you my mission statement we'll save that for the (laughs) the show my mission statement for the next week but i think they're keeping six receivers they're treating tomorrow Douglas like a veteran. I've never seen them do this with a rookie, especially like a him. rookie skill position player. He's on. He is. If he's not a roster lock, he's damn close. And Keishon Booty's. If he he's looking like the guy that at LSU, he's explosive. He's making plays after the catch. He's he's a physical ball carrier. They can't afford to give up on a guy with that skill set, or even a guy that might appear to have that skill set. And you have the Taekwon injury. So it's six initially, but you throw Taekwon on IR if you have to, and then you sign 
maybe that's where the third tight end comes in. I only have them keeping two tight ends. Maybe that's where you get an extra running back. Maybe that's how you get a specialist, you know, often on the roster, a guy like Calvin Munson. I don't see how they don't keep six receivers right now. I really don't. I I, I think it, it looks pretty clear to me that they should do that. Yeah. I mean, that booty touchdown was like the exact play at LSU against Emmanuel Forbes, right, where he just took that slant to the house. And to see him have that explosiveness back that, you know, once he had that ankle injury in LSU, he, he completely lost that. He had that bad combine, which is probably why that and some off-field stuff, which is why he was available in the sixth round. But, I mean, he that play looked like freshman year Keishon Booty, which was like a projected first-round pick. So, at this point, I don't know how you – I mean, I know there's a chance you get him through waivers, but I just don't think it's worth it. And then the point that you brought up a few weeks ago, like the rookie contract, right? Like if you have right. him and believe in him, like – you got to keep him on that that rookie contract. So, I I think it's six. You know, KB looked awesome. Demario Douglas, they're just keeping him in the garage, right? He had uh, three snaps and and two catches, so he he looks like a lock. But yeah, I I think this is going to end up with six, which isn't what they usually do. But it looks like they're doing a bunch of new stuff this year. So I, I'm leaning six. Yeah, I again, I just I'm. I'm going to be annoyed if they move on from Keishon Booty at this point. He's shown yeah. too much. And they're keeping Demario Douglas like that understood. He's shown too much. This is the skill set that we've been waiting for. A guy that can create after the catch. A guy that's explosive. Uh, a guy with speed. Uh, that's that's the guy they've needed on offense for a long time. And and he should be in the rotation, too. He, he should be in the rotation. Honestly, like, if Thornton's going to miss this next week and this next preseason game, I don't know where his playing time's coming from. He yeah. kind of becomes an almost rant. Yep. And also rant. So what what was that report? It was Chris Price, I believe, said he was like week to week. Week to right? week, yeah. Which right. not day to day, because a lot of times you hear day to day. He's week to week. I, that said something to me. That told me that maybe, and for what I, I heard, that it's not serious. But if they need to get a roster spot, can he miss? Can he afford to miss the first four weeks of the season? Maybe I, the only thing I didn't hear all that. I heard that it's not serious. My follow-up is, but if it's week to week and he's fallen off the depth chart anyway, is there a chance that they use this injury to 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 essentially save a roster spot for four weeks? Yep. If Tomorrow Douglas has passed him on the depth chart. If Keishon Booty passed him on the depth chart, if he's going to be your six wide receiver anyway, you have that speed element, Demario Douglas. Yeah. That'd be tough. And then, you know, it just opens the roster spot for and a guy like Calvin Munson, I think, who, you know, you mentioned would just be the perfect, like, slip him through. I don't, does he require waivers anymore? Munson's. Bad, I right? don't. I the NFL waiver thing yeah, is so weird. weird. And that and practice squad don't even. It, whoever's on the practice squad's <laughs> on the practice squad. I'm not even going to try to guess yeah. that. I'll just keep saying I'm putting players on the practice squad when I cut them, not yeah. knowing if it's possible or not. Um, just someone else will clarify the rules there. But um, last thing offensively, just anything that third tight end battle. You know, if. Gasicki's not ready. I thought Sokol looked good, you know, in the run game, like as that inline blocker, which they might need here. But I don't know. Did any of those guys kind of stand out to you, him, Ferkser? Um, yeah, not really. No, I think Ferkser probably is the best body of work to this point. You're right. Sokol's the better blocker. Either way. So I only have them keeping two tight ends. Me too. Because I think you can get either of those guys, both of those guys to the practice squad. And, Honestly, Sokol probably makes more sense week one because you mentioned the Eagles pass rush. You're going to need another blocker. And maybe when you go up against a team uh, that, that's a little more susceptible to, to the passing game against tight ends, you want to run more true 12, you go to Ferkser. 
So I, neither of them have earned a roster spot to me. I think Furcher is probably the favorite to be the third tight end. But again, with the practice squad elevation rules, that doesn't mean he's on the 53. Yep. It's what they've done the last two years, right? When it was Janu and Henry, they've just kept those two. And if they needed another one, they've elevated. So I don't know why the, it would be different this year based off what we've seen. But any last thing, anything offensively, any other notes you had, guys who who caught your caught your eye? Yeah, actually. And this is a guy that I have kind of almost gotten criticized for being too critical of. I think I was right, but maybe I need a, to revisit that. J.J. Taylor had a yeah. very impressive awesome. game awesome as game. a pass catcher, as a runner, as a pass blockery. That great play where the blitz is coming in on Zappi. He picks it up, is able to adjust, get to a spot where Zappi can find him. You know, easy, makes the catch. And I think he picked up like 14 yards, made a guy miss. Maybe this is maybe this is the time for J.J. Taylor. I've kind of said that if he was an NFL running back, he would have shown us at this point. But they don't have a ton of options after Elliott and Stevenson. They need a guy. Ty Montgomery's still hurt. We haven't really even seen anything from Pierre. Well, Pierre Strong is in concussion protocol. Yep. Kevin Harris is hurt. I think. I think this is this. If JJ Taylor is going to have his moment, this is it. Because if he can look like that, they need that skill set. They absolutely need it. Now he's another guy that maybe they know they can get to the practice squad. Because again, it's been four years. But I, I, I had like I wasn't even thinking about JJ Taylor in reference to the roster before Saturday night. But that performance. Yeah, he's in the conversation now. He's absolutely in the conversation at running back. I thought he was great. Yeah, he, he was awesome. And, and Bill Bill gave him some praise this morning, right? And he said, like, he's evolved in special teams and in the passing game, he said, which is something he hasn't been able to do when he first got here. So that's, you know, two noticeable things for what they might need in that third or fourth running back. So who knows? Maybe what year is he in? Four, three, four? Four. Maybe he, took he came a, in the pandemic year because okay. you had six, six Cam Newton trying to run mesh JJ weeds with Taylor. reads with five, six JJ Taylor. And it was difficult and that's not anybody's fault, but it was like the height difference. They had to like reinvent the handoff because the height difference was kind of fun so to watch. Not as quite the infamous six year jump that Dietrich Wise took last year, <laughs> but the fourth year jump or whatever. The fourth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, Look, for yeah, no, you're right. If Dietrich Wise could have the six year jump, maybe JJ Taylor is the fourth year jump. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see there, but uh, that's all I had offensively. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean? You don't just go to the beach. You visit a private Island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So defensively, we also got a bit of a look at the starting defense, even though they kept things pretty basic, like scheme wise. It was just pretty vanilla there. So. But you started to see some of these, how much they might align. It was a lot of, you know, Jabril Peppers and Adrian Phillips deep, it looked like, in that, you know, free safety role. Not much of a pass rush. I think Matt LaFleur said, like, 
they didn't have any QB hits all game, but that's something you'd expect to get better when you know they're playing Judon and Uche Uche all day. But I don't I don't know what what were your big things on the defense there. I so you mentioned a couple of those uh, safeties there. I think Jalen Mills has been excellent. He's been awesome. Yeah. and him as kind of that rover safety, like that's back in the role he played in and excelled in in Philly. I love that for him. I think it's a great fit. I think it adds another layer to this defense. That was my biggest takeaway on the D. Uh, one of my two biggest takeaways on the defense. I actually, have another one, but I thought Jalen Mills was excellent. If we're going to talk about the secondary, yeah, and he's been. I mean, he was awesome in the Houston game too, right? He he had the pick, and then he had a few nice plays down at the line of scrimmage too. So, just playing closer to that line of scrimmage there, I think it's helped him and benefited him. But what what was your other big one there in the secondary? The run defense was a little concerning. Oh yeah, and and look, the Packers are a good rushing team, and, and they got two really good running backs. But Patriots were the fourth best run defense in the league last year in terms of yards per uh, game against. The, the Patriots starting defense allowed 5.4 yards per carry. You saw Devon Godshaw getting moved out of the way a lot. You saw Carl Davis getting moved out of the way a lot. Those are supposed to be your run stoppers. Those are your nose tackles. It's one game, so I'm not going to say like they're doomed for the season, but they should be a better run defending team than that. I'm not really sure where that came from. It's something I'm going to And they got another tough test in, next week in Tennessee yeah. against yep. the run, of course. So that's going to be a big thing to watch going into that game is where the run defense is at. And Bentley didn't play, so that that's a big, big part of their run defense. But yeah, I didn't think Mac Wilson looked great against the run, and that's something that got him benched right at the end of last year. He really fell out of the rotation after kind of after that Green Bay game. You know, speaking of the Green Bay run game, that the, the misdirection stuff he just he, he had trouble with that in the regular season, and then he his role really just decreased there. So. Yeah, that, that run defense will be interesting to, to watch there as it gets further. Wish we saw some Marte Mapu. We still yeah. didn't, even though he shed his red non-contact jersey. Keon White didn't play after getting, it looked like a minor, something minor that last joint practice day. But yeah, we'll, that run defense will be put to the test definitely against Tennessee. Yeah, and that, that to me is now the big, we haven't talked about a ton about the defense this preseason. And I know some people think it's because we're doing like the fantasy football thing with the wide receivers. No, it's because it's pretty much the same unit it was yeah. last year. They added Christian Gonzalez, who we've talked about, who had a good game that was not pass interference. No, not we've at all. We talked about Keon White. He didn't play because he was hurt, but, you know, he's looked good. We haven't seen Mapu. Those are the interesting guys to talk about on defense. And there's that third corner competition, which nobody really gained much ground uh, this week. Yep. It's it, it's pretty much the same unit. So this is something new, again, with the run defense thing. That's what I'm watching. But you've seen a lot of what you expected to see from the defenses here. The run defense thing, again, is that thing that – it's the first time that the defense has done something that kind of surprised me so far at this preseason training camp, whatever. I agree with that. I think one guy I had who was kind of like kind of the same boat as Chase and Hines in the offense, just the defense was Sam Roberts. I know he had a few like boneheaded penalties that unnecessary roughness was bad, but I thought it was like a second game where he's been pretty disruptive at the line of scrimmage and probably one of their better run defenders that game. But again, it's that defensive line. It's so talented. It's so deep. It would, I don't know if there's a spot for him there unless, you know, maybe they part with like a Lawrence guy. But at this point, I don't see them doing that, I don't think, because, you know, that holdout looks like it's in the rearview mirror. But Sam Roberts has been pretty impressive, I thought, you know, through two games. I don't know. I just think the kind of penalties he made in that game, yeah. eh, those those aren't going to get you on the team. Yeah. For a guy that's probably as on – and look, he'll probably stick around on the practice squad. 
but for a guy that's on the line as he is, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a that. lot for him to overcome. Yeah, that that's he seems like they get him to the practice squad. He works with you know Covington for a year, like he did last year. Then guy is guy a free agent after this year? Does he have one more year? I think he has one more year. One more year. So, well, I think but, he has one more year, but I don't think there's any guaranteed money. I think that's what that holdout was about. Okay, so you know maybe that becomes his role next year if he progresses how he likes on the practice squad, but. We'll see there. Uh, Gonzo, yeah, I agree. That wasn't pass interference. I thought he played that perfectly. He read the double move. He saw that athleticism. Turn. He, he, how often do you see pass interference when they turn and look at the ball, right? Like, I don't know. That, that was weird. I also thought there was there was a one other play. This was, I think, in the second half. Might have been late in the first half. Where he, <clears throat> it was a third and short, and they swung it out in the flat, and Gonzalez was the defender at yeah. the point. And he like got down, squared up. It was like Pop Warner tackling drills. Like it was so technically sound. And that sounds like a dig. It's not like he needs, he needed to be a better tackler coming out of college. We all knew that, but he squared up. He took the guy on in space. He didn't get the first down. Good sign of growth. So I thought honestly, more so than the, the, the PBU, like a play like that. All right. He's learning how to tackle. He needs to do. Remember what happened in week one? Like his first play. Yeah. So to come there, like he's getting better. That's good to say. Yep. I, I'd agree with that. that. That was on my notes, but, um, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, defense is just like it's the same unit. So you know, there's a few things obviously without McCordy that you, that you pick up, but it's it's pretty much what what we've seen from them last year. So I don't know if you had any other little little notes there before we we can get into the good special team stuff, which I've seen a lot of comments about, which I love in the chat. But any last things defensively? I think I think that was pretty much it. Again, we still got to see, and, and we'll see what happens with Isaiah Bolden. And thankfully, he's doing yep. okay. Um, but you know, with him, Amir Speed, Sean Wade, I didn't think anybody really emerged in that in that battle. I think that was pretty much it for me on defense. Yep. All right. So let's let's get into special teams. Josh is uh, getting us right into it with, with Bryce Boominger because there might have been some struggles down in green bay it sounded like and hang on before was... we get to that before we get to that like bryce boominger is a good name but evan valenti who covers the Celtics seal and house during the in-stadium practice tweeted at me that we should just call him the stopwatch the stopwatch so i'm sticking with like that, that one yeah because of the hang times he's the stopwatch so, okay. boominger is good but i like the stopwatch i like that i like that but um he he whatever struggles he had it, it, they weren't there saturday night he had Two punts, both downed inside the 20. They were 120 yards, three total return yards. And PFF had him like 4.9 average seconds of hang time throughout both of them. I mean, the second one was like five plus 70 air yards. So he he was awesome Saturday night. And any, again, any issues he might have been working through, that those, you know, he's just a gamer. It doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, no, he, he looked really good. I, I think, you know, little slump but he, he should be the punter again he yep. looks like he's in in command of that competition yep it's still and you can you can breathe easy now you yeah. can put your pants back on after you rewatch those punts how many times i wasn't on the i wasn't hitting the panic button but the reports you know might have been hovering over it so but we're, we're back the panic bu- panic button is in the drawer tucked away um would you still expect waitman maybe on the practice squad here yeah keep that lefty I, I... foot to keep the lefty foot, yeah, I still think he's going to be around. And if not him, like they'll have a punter on the practice squad, a yeah. lefty punter on the practice squad if somebody else claims Waitman. But I, I still think they'll keep a, a punter in that role. Yep. Not Michael Pilardi. Who signed him the other day? Somebody like, signed Michael Pilardi? Yeah. I want to I say that, Arizona, but that might that might Sounds be like wrong. something they would do. 
No, Washington. That also sounds well, like something a, they would that's do. That's a Washington move, too. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Polardi. Uh, the Polardi party was something. But kickers, we're still doing this this two-kicker rotation. Hey, uh, Ryland and Folk, they switched off kickoffs. Nick Folk had the first extra point, and then... Did he have the he had the first one? Did he? Have they the alternated one? extra points and kickoffs. They each yeah. got two of each. So, I don't know. It, it looks like we're keeping two, like we've been talking about. They're they're keeping six receivers and they're keeping two kickers and there's nothing any you can do about it. That's my mission statement for the last week. I it again my whole take on this bit. I would not keep two kickers. I think you trust the kid you draft in the fourth round, but they have not done anything yet to, to show that. To allow me to say convincingly that they have ruled out keeping two kickers. We talked about that roster bubble before. Nine players for 23 spots. I have Nick Folk in that group. If Nick Folk can be one of the nine best players in that group, because that's what they're giving him a chance to do now, is prove that he's worth keeping. Even if he was, and I've seen some people say, no, they're playing him to showcase him for a trade. One, then he would be getting all of the reps. Ryland wouldn't be getting reps. And two, he, people know who Nick Folk is. He's been in the league long enough. You don't need to showcase a guy like Nick Folk. I think they should trade Folk. And I think they could trade him. I don't think they would need to cut him. I think they could trade him. But I do think there's a chance they keep two kickers. I still have not been dissuaded from that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Did you have two on your roster projection? I had two on my roster projection. And I was already, like, I was so set to do it one week. And then just leave it and then be like, all right, I said this piece, like I put it on paper. I put it out there that I think this is a chance. And now I'm going to go back to do the normal thing. And I was like, so I was ready. I was like, all right, Ryland's going to get all the kicks in this game and they'll put it to bed. And I can be like, oh, that was goofy when I did that last week. Right. Nope. It, it again. It's still there. <laughs> it's still hanging around. Can't disprove it yet. I just like, even if they were planning on keeping both, don't you think they would just have Ryland kick now because they you said it like they know who Nick Folk is so why not just get the rookie all this experience right now because they want to see if Nick Folk's uh uh just gonna like regression at the end of the year is still there or not because if it's not they want to keep him that's what I think is happening I don't like it I don't like it but you can't rule it out as we've been saying for a few weeks now so we'll see there um the only other special teams that I had, they had a lot of penalties, special teams, it felt like. At, at least two or three, I they, want to They say. had that bad one last week from Diego Fago. I'm trying to remember what they there, were. This there week. wasn't any like as severe as that one that gifted them a, a first down, but they had a few. They had at least two returns called back, I think. One on Chris Board, too. Um, so I don't know. Just just something to watch, watch there from the special teams unit. Something to watch, I guess. Yep. But uh, yeah, unless you had anything else, I think that, that's pretty much all the game game recap. Two practices this week, t- uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. No joint practices anymore, as a lot of you have probably heard, here in Foxborough. And then they'll go down to Tennessee Thursday for the game on Friday. But any other any other last thoughts there from you? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers the game. Yeah, we'll get to it this week. This is this is it. This is crunch this time is for the roster. This is it. Yep. So. Alex and I will, will be down at Gillette the next two days to watch those practices. And, of course, we will be back right here to recap that all for you. But until then, you can go follow Alex on Twitter at, at RealAlexBarth and go read all his coverage over at 985thesportshub.com. 
You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my coverage over at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for tuning in as always. 